Welcome back to Thriving the Future. This week, I'm talking with my friend Kurt. He is living on 30 acres in northwest Missouri. We're going to talk about how he found his land in this tough market and some of what he's accomplished so far on it with his livestock and what his plans are to thrive in the next year. Welcome to Thriving the Future podcast, where we're finding positive solutions to thrive in the tough times ahead. So, Kurt, what new projects do you have going on over there? Well, let's see. The last time you were here, I had probably just gotten the sheep. So Mm -hmm. I got them in a rotational grazing system now, and that's that got enabled by a couple of things. I got the electrical systems out to my pasture that's already got permanent fencing in there, Mm -hmm. and I got a small lawn mower, riding lawnmower so I can cut lines in the in the pasture that allows me to move the fence every so mm-hmm. often um we started harvesting from the garden so we got a bunch of squash and cucumbers and, and stuff like that now and uh I think the potatoes will be ready to be harvested in the next couple of weeks looks like the leaves are starting to die so yep we'll yeah, see how that goes they'll put on tubers then yeah good mm-hmm Wow. That's great. Yeah. Um, I really like. I really liked your garden. So I guess all the chickens are outside. The dog now lives outside. She doesn't have, live in the barn. She's like hanging out with the sheep now. And they had a, the one that she had a little bit of a feud with their, their friends now. And good. Um, so I guess project, I cut part of the fence for the front um, part of the tree line that was in entangled in an old fence. I cut that out so I can put a line on there for some electric. And then I'll be building the rest of the fence along the road. Uh, that's pretty much the next thing that's on my list besides random, you know, house, house stuff being, being a new house and trying to get that in shape. Mm-hmm. Do you still have the sheep coming in the outbuilding, the big barn at night? Nope. I got them out with the dog now. So they, they are outside full time. Um, that was nice to get rid of because I was using that ugly, ugly construction fence, I guess you would call it, but right. the little orange net. And so that's all gone. So that's neat. And then the chickens are, in, are right next to them. And I think either tomorrow or this weekend, I'm trying to move them to the spot where the sheep are and just to prevent the sheep from going back. Cause I'm sort of doing a strip grazing thing where mm-hmm. every week they get, they get more part of like more of a third of the pasture okay. um, just to keep in practice with like moving and you know, Oh, this, this, it, I realized how annoying it is to do it with three wires. So I'm down to two wires and I realized how annoying it is in general to do it without having a, having my wire on a, on a reel. So I'm trying to get a, get a reel for this poly tape that I'm using right now and trying to figure out a way to hang the poly tape. So it's mostly just like practicing stuff for whenever I actually like have, have a lot of animals, but do you build them a a lean to or whatever out there? Um, No, you remember that dog, uh, dog mobile dog feeder thing that I have. Oh, okay. The Greg Judy one. So I just built that exactly to his specifications, but um, I took 
a friend had a trampoline left at his house whenever he moved in there. And I took that. So the bottom of it became what is like chicken jail for my rooster right now until um, I trust him with the, uh, with the little, the new little ones. Um, and then the bot, the top part that you'd actually jump on, I just hang that across the dog feeder thing. And mm-hmm. um, the, sh- the sheep and the dog will just like cuddle up under that for when they need shade. And it actually worked out pretty well early on. Cause like I was saying, they were, the dog was feuding with one of the ewes. And right. so she could get in the shade. The dog could get in the shade, but be in her little cage area where she normally eats and have shade. And they would be right next to her and they would have shade. So just like over the two, three weeks that they've been a hundred percent together in the heat, the sun has sort or the shade has sort of forced them to be friends now. So they're, it worked, it worked out doubly. Cool. So you have 30 acres, right? Just about 27. Mm-hmm. How did you decide the area you were going to go to? What, you know, what part of the state, uh, what county? Mm-hmm. At one point you were looking at the county specifically based on what regulations they have and stuff like that. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. So when I was looking for property, one of my main deal breakers was city limits. Mm-hmm. I did not want anywhere inside city limits because... I don't want anyone creeping around asking me questions about what I'm doing. Sure. Um, that's just another, you know, another layer of governance that I don't care to care to deal with. So that was like my main thing. I really wanted to live in Johnson County just because they have like, I don't know if it's no regulations, but basically no regulations. So um, the other counties I was looking at was those counties tend to um, have more um, common sense laws when it comes to, or common sense budgets at the very least. Like a Republican county government government is not the same as a federal Republican. So um, I was really not trying to go in like Jackson County, even if I would be outside of city limits. Yeah. So we ended up a couple of the properties that we ended up looking at too were in Ray County and uh, Clay County. And I just like went through their, their regulations Mm -hmm. and they were more or less pretty lax. Like if I went and looked at the things that I need, that I wanted to do to potentially make money, um, they weren't like too restrictive, you know, if they're like, you want to put up a, you want to put up a firing range, you got to have like 15 acres. I'm like, that's a lot, but that seems reasonable for, for that type of a thing. Or like, um, and another part about it was too, is like some of the regulations that exist at that level, nobody is really going to be able to enforce it. And it's mostly just on the, I guess the, like if somebody calls in and says, you have too many, this person has too many cows on their property, you're probably doing something else wrong that pissed them off enough to, to get to that point. So exactly. Yeah. I, I wanted to live like on a property that was wide enough, uh, like away from my neighbors enough too that, that we didn't have to like look at them every day. Not saying I don't like my neighbors actually like I have gotten to know my neighbors in the past couple of months and 
they're all pretty um, chill people for the most part, but good. Um, I did visit and look at some properties that were like long and skinny, like a 10 acre property next to a 10 acre property next to a 10 acre property, but they were, right. you know, quarter acre, or only an acre wide. And it was like, eh, I can still like, so it was, it was just stuff that I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't want to like make an offer on, on a place like that where, because I don't even know what I'm doing when I'm doing half this farming stuff as it is. Right. So having enough space to like try things out and experiment was also uh, important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when we went over and we did the workshop over at Ken's place, you know, he's got a long skinny, I think it's three acres. And by the time you you get in the easement or whatever you have to do off of the fence, then you really get limited. You're in the middle of, you don't have, have as much room to grow and everything else. So yeah, having a wide property is a good idea. So what'd you yeah. use for your research and things like that? Uh, it sucks in Missouri. Like pretty much all these places, I all these counties, I had to call and ask them to like email me a PDF of their, uh, of their regulations of their like zoning laws. I, there was a couple, there was even like some, there's even some counties that like doing the paperwork, um, for like my title and stuff was straight up. I had to do it in person or like I had to like print a document and sign it and send it by snail mail. And it was like, really, really not, um, (laughs) I, I just would have thought that we were further along, but I get, I guess uh, some counties don't really have the, the infrastructure or people to put that uh, type of technology in place. So it was mostly just like Googling if they had it, not, then use it. If they didn't call in for, for the county clerk, I guess. Oh, so you kind of, you called the county clerk to get that information? Yeah. Uh-huh. But, any of them blow you off or whatever, or, or were they pretty quick at turning it around? No, these, the counties I was looking in, I think would be remiss to have a, a dick answering the phone. Their populations are dwindling as it is. So uh-huh. if uh, somebody wants to move in there and, you know, bring new money in, they're open and, and welcoming. Oh, okay, good. Did you look at, I want to make sure I have a pond. What other kind of uh criteria success criteria or criteria were you looking at uh well my girlfriend was like the main one doing the actual land search Mm -hmm. um when we were looking a couple of the things that we like filtered out um because i was all the way in st louis while we were looking and so she would find something and she would go look at it and if we want to put an offer down then it was like, I just had, I had a lot of uh, faith and trust in her, but um, yeah, I ended up going and seeing places like while we we're in bidding wars and such. Uh, sure. Some of the things we were like filtering on was just our minimum was five acres. We wanted to be closer to 10 um, outside city limits. And what else? I, I didn't really um, care so much about a pond. My, uh, I'm not particularly uh, a fisher, a fisherman of any caliber. So my, my friends like that I have one, but um, right. No, for me, it was just, I, I want, I would like to have, a, I wanted a place with 
uh, a nice house on it or some sort of infrastructure where um, like if it didn't have a fence, then it was going to need to be cheaper because I needed to put up a fence because I knew I wanted animals like very, very soon. Um, if it didn't have any type of an outbuilding, then I needed it to have enough trees for me to build one. This property that I'm on right now just happens to be that, um, have both. Um, what else? Oh, I think another criteria I was looking at was just like, I didn't want it to be so, uh, I wanted it to be farmable, but not necessarily tillable. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go plant a bunch of corn, but I want to be able to, um, you know, walk a sheep at least if, if a cow would be even better up and down the, the hills. So if the hills are too steep for, for too much of that, then I wouldn't really be interested. The water features, I will say all the places that we went to that had water features, it was like way more enticing because it was like, oh, the back half of the property like butts up to a creek and I can uh, rig up a water solution for the back half that's right. not used by, you know, city or well or whatever. So th- those were nice things um, to have. Wow. So you were favoring pasture over say trees or woods or whatever else. And then something that's, that's more uh, like you said, it could be tilled, but it's not like a uh, already plowed field. Right. Yeah. There was one place we did look at that was like 40 acres and an old, old house. And five of the acres was just like, I guess a lawn. I don't know. But the other 35, the owner who was selling it leased the land, leased it out to the neighbor who would farm corn on it. And um, I was like very skeptical about that property. I actually like went out there and got a soil sample but by the time my soil sample tests came back like they were already under contract with somebody else right um that actually was a funny another funny story about that property was someone had like gotten gotten murdered in there in like the <laughs> 70s or the 80s <laughs> and so it had been on the market for like a really long time uh-huh. but it was a really good deal i would say for like the size of the house and the amount of property, but just a couple of things that checked boxes where I was like, ah, I don't really want to have to like deal with the potential for all the chemicals that they use to farm corn being in the ground. So I need to get a soil test. Yeah, definitely. Especially. So the pasture that you have, did they spray it or, or whatever else? Cause one of the things we've seen around here is that, all of the pastures with hay. And even if you buy hay, they're all sprayed and then they're sprayed with that graze on stuff. And then it goes through the animal and then comes out in the manure and then you can't compost the manure used in your garden. Yeah. So the neighbor or the previous owner of my property was super lazy and he didn't really do anything besides bow mm-hmm. and make brush piles and somebody would hay, but they didn't, they didn't spray at all. Wow. That worked out pretty well then. Cause that takes several years to get rid of, you know? Yeah. Cool. I think so you got uh, in a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
I, I also, I do know that the, the county, um, since I work, I work from home, I can look out my window and I see everything I, that goes by, but right. there's a, a noxious weed truck that the county um, sprays. And so mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what they, they spray, but I went to the county commissioners here and stood before them and was like, Hey, I don't really want this. They're like, okay, put up a sign on either end of your property and we'll tell the guys to not spray your property. And I was like, oh, that's it? And they're like, yep, okay. So two $5 signs off Amazon that say no spray zone, organic garden, and I'm set. So that's awesome. That all is taken care of too. Mm -hmm. So you said you got in a big bidding war. How'd that uh, work out? I know you had a bunch of uh, false starts, right? Yeah, there was some crazy stuff. Like there was this one property that was on 10 acres and it was, it was a beautiful house and they had a massive solar rig set up and it ended up going up like, I want to say like $75,000 over asking price. And I was like, oh my God. So there was a couple of properties that were like that or like one that we saw and it had been on the market for, you know, months and months like six months and then it would be like the same day we go to see it somebody else went and saw it the day like the morning before and put an offer down it's like why did we waste our time driving so far out to to do things like that so it is it was a three month long grind uh and getting upset about like oh, we put the offer down. We think we're going to get it. And then no, or like a cash offer would come in and they're like, well, we're going to take the cash offer. And like a bunch of people would um, like leave their house on the market if they had contingencies, hoping for other people with cash offers too. So it was just like, I, I, I feel like it was mostly just the market is in a weird place right now. And right. for some reason there's like, lots of money, but everyone's poor, but I, I don't really know what was going on. It, it, it just seemed like it was, um, I've never had anyone tell me, tell me like, oh, they paid over asking price on their house. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. I've had a bunch of people that's happened to that, uh, they put their house up for sale and then, <laughs> and then it's sold for like $15,000 more than what they asked. They had people coming and, it wasn't even on the market yet. And somehow it got out and some dude was wanting to make a offer the night before and, you know, all this stuff and, and all these people from the coast are here and then they, they bring their, their cash. Right. And some people are making mm-hmm. cash offers. And then if you've got a contingency on another house, right. Cause you got to sell your house to buy another one, then uh, you lose out because you lose to some, somebody who's got more cash or something like that. And uh, yeah, I think the market now that the interest rate is going to crap is going to, uh, is going to get tough. It, it probably won't change the, the folks that have cash that are bringing it from, you know, the coast or whatever, but yeah, it'll, it'll dry it up a little bit. So maybe it'll calm it down a little bit. Yeah. This, this particular property, um, I think my girl saw it either the night it went on or the day before mm-hmm. and she texted the realtor and she's like, we're going to this, see this tomorrow. And so they went and saw it and she's like, this, this place is amazing. And then there was this other property that was like 
also fantastic. And it was like an in the ground earth home. And wow. so she's like, we should put an offer down. And I'm like, ah, okay. And so I like drove out from St. Louis to like figure it out. And we talked and it was between one and the other. And I hadn't seen, like, I hadn't seen either house yet. So I was like, that, that was the real problem the whole time was like, she had to handle everything and I kind of had to trust her ended mm-hmm. up working out like really, really, really well for us. But like, that was like a super stressful time, not only on like me personally, because it's like thousands, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money. Um, but just like also strain on the relationship of like, we're looking for two different things. And if, and if I like would like a property, she would, you could tell she was like dragging her feet to go see it. Or if she liked the property, um, I, and I didn't because like maybe the the house was like really nice, but the property was just like, man, she would be like, try to convince me on. So it was like a lot of, um, like strain on, on our, on our relationship. But I would say like for people who are already dating long distance and going through that, like we came out the other side of it, like a lot closer and like, uh, in a pretty good way, but, um, so yeah, on this property. So she, I, I, she's like, or we got to the point where it's like, we're going to put an offer on this one because this one is, you know, 27 acres. And, um, even though the house is much smaller, uh, let's, let's put the offer on this one. And I said, okay, well, we want to put a contingency, obviously like pass inspection, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm like, I need to know that there's internet service providers out there. So that was a contingency. Yeah, and then the next day they call, they call us back and we're like, they're like, you need to remove this contingent. You need to take this contingency away so we can like get, we can like, if we, if you remove this contingency, we'll take it off the market. Otherwise we like, it's only been on the market for two days. So we're going to keep it on the market. And so then I had to drive out here in the snow and just be like looking at my cell phone and uh, okay, my T-Mobile 5G was, was all right. And I did a speed test and it was fine and called up HughesNet and it, it worked. So I was like, all right, I guess you can take that contingency off. And we did get, I will say we got lucky on the internet because HughesNet was trash. Once I got on it, I had it for a month. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So then I tried to use my phone for a month and I was hitting the limits on the hotspot, but now we got, um, like T-Mobile has their home Wi-Fi, and that ended up being like, it it has been perfect since then. And it's been about a month since we've had that and no issues whatsoever. So we got lucky. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. We had, (laughs) when we, so we've got 10 acres over here in uh, Northeast Kansas, when we came and looked at the property, my wife disappeared. She just, I mean, I started looking at the house and she, she just, she didn't care about the house. She went back and she looked at the barn and then she disappeared into the woods and she was walking the fence line. So it was, it was really weird. The realtor's going, is she going to come back? (laughs) Does she care about the house at all? And I'm like, "Uh, I I don't think she really cares about the house. (laughs) So and uh, it was really funny. That's uh, that's how I was when we would get to the house. I would 
I would just go like walking around the property and trying to like envision what I could do there. But right. uh, she would be inside with the realtor. It was winter time, so it was kind of cold out. So they're like mm-hmm. doing their thing inside, and I'm like, eh, I want to. I I don't really care as long as there's a bedroom. Like I'm I'm gonna be fine. Right. <laughs> What's your goals for the next year on your property? Um. So. Basically, the once the fence goes up, uh, I have some ideas with cows. Actually, talking to uh, Intact from the from the Freedom Cell Group, he went and bought me some chicken feed when he was in Texas. And mm-hmm. when I was out there picking it up, I was picking his brain about the cattle that are on his property. And he sort of has a no risk ranching, uh, Greg Judy esque start to 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 his his operation, like I want to, there's a, about a hundred or 200 cows in the farm behind mine. And I want to talk to the guy who's leasing that land from the owner and, and see if he'll want to do something like intact has where, okay, these steer need to be weaned off of mama. Right. Uh, I'll take this many for this long for a half cow, whole cow, whatever, just yeah. so I can, uh, you know, have a start like that. Eventually I want to get my own, um, small herd, nothing, nothing big. Like I definitely don't think I'll ever even have more than 10 cows at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, but right now it's just calorie farming, you know, get, get cows eating grass, get cheap eating grass. Um, I got a Ram coming in August from Greg Judy's property to, uh, I'm going to, I bought that and I'll be breeding the four that I have. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Have you eaten getting... uh, mutton and sheep before? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kai makes this uh, really good. Um, I got to, I got to think what the sauce is, but she makes these sheep burgers that have uh, an, a, like a lemon aioli sauce that she puts on them. And it's just, oh, it's really cool. good. Yeah, it sounds um, good. So yeah, I'm hoping next year that I'll like in terms of um, sheep that are born, I'll end up with doubling my my flock, and then I'll probably end up buying four from the same lady that I bought these ones from. Maybe someone else depends what the market does because I think last year sheep were flying off the shelves, and um, we'll yeah, see. Good. We'll see about that. Um, I'm also going to start with the trees. So, uh, the chestnuts that we'll be getting, I think, um, it'll be my 30th in October. So I think the plan is to have a, a a camp out for my family and friends and whoever, and they're, I think Kai is going to organize that. Just tell them like, Hey, just bring trees. Like he just wants to plant trees because that's all I really want right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So starting on the food forest type stuff. Um, and then, I mean that, like, if I, if I could keep going, I would start like doing some water work with, um, uh, swales and stuff coming off of the ponds or even like planting in planting stuff in the ponds to out compete the algae, um, when the blooms are happening, but, Mm -hmm. um, We'll see because my little brother is considering moving up here to, and um, if, if he does that, then I'll be busy building a cabin with, with him to stick on the, 
on the back couple couple acres um give okay. him a little off-grid space so we'll see what happens in in the fall um i'm kind of just playing it by ear trying to figure out if like it's just like playing it by ear from here on out because like i kind of have the setup that i want i just need to scale up and like get more sheep so i don't have to mow a lawn <laughs> right but yeah yeah, I've got a lot of chestnuts. So, and, and I've been, uh, I sent you that article. I've been growing them from seeds. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested in getting some more chestnuts as well. And then growing them with you as well. Pigs are definitely, um, they've been in the back of my mind for the past couple weeks or so. And, uh, awesome. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's going to work out or not, but I, I keep doing the math and I'm like, I feel like this is going to, this this pans out Mm -hmm. but we'll see good thanks a lot i appreciate it thank you for listening to the thriving the future podcast check us out on the web on thrivingthefuture.com also come and join our conversation on twitter at thriving the future and on our telegram group there's a link on the website this podcast was produced by scott the freedom farmer at freedomfarmer.net copyright 2022 thrivingthefuture.com Join us at the Homestead Journal in living out the classic homesteading ethos on the path towards a simple life that speaks to the heart of humanity. We're an online community embodying and helping our members develop an indestructible homesteading mindset. Become someone who adds walk to the talk and applies proven old world protocols in a modern context. Find us at thehomesteadjournal.net and follow us at thj.net on Twitter. Are you a freedom farmer? Check out freedomfarmer.net, where I focus on skills over stuff and designing an intentional life. That's freedomfarmer.net.